0: We are a proud member of the 143 podcast network.
1: The Cheers to Comics podcast is proudly affiliated with nsclivetv.com. That's No Signal Comics, nsclivetv.com. Find the Cheers to Comics podcast on channel 34 of nsclivetv.com. No Signal Comics. The best in auction action. Well, hello again, slurs. Welcome back to the Cheers to Comics podcast. This is Creator Corner. Oh man, this is a good one, though. This is a good one. Way back in the day, when I say that <laughs> um, loosely, but uh, it wasn't that long ago I, I was talking about this particular fellow's book um, that was submitted to me. And uh, it was featured on a, uh indie creator submission. I don't remember which episode it was, but it was way back. And the book being Dead End Kids, that book went on to to do some shit, uh, to, to say the least. So, um, without further ado, uh, I, I'm going to jump into this here conversation with Mr. Frank Gogol. He's going to talk about some stuff that he has coming up and... Yeah, past successes and just great stuff overall. So uh, enjoy this conversation in this wonderful, wonderful creator corner. Here we are. Frank Gogol, man, how are you?
0: <sighs> Hanging by a thread, but I'm here, man.
1: Yeah, you're a busy guy. You're a super, super busy guy. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that we we finally had the opportunity to get this done um i shoot almost oh, close to a year in the making i think we were talking before we hit record here seven or eight months in the making on this uh that i mean that's how long i've been uh well since dead end kids one so yeah that's that's this is it's time it's here the the, the day is now and we've got new stuff to talk about which is super fucking exciting so how I'm how all,
0: are you i'm all I'm all right and you know it's like super wild um, i was telling you before we started recording that i just hit the old uh Schedule and send on a on newsletter that I do every couple of weeks and in it I was talking about writing dead-end kids two. like that. That's how far it's it, we, we've come since we started talking about getting this done So like it was okay. eight months, but like for me, this is like a year and a half
1: Well, it's uh, it, it hasn't felt like eight months I know it's felt like a while and it's been a long time coming, but it's, it has been moving by quick yeah, and this like, this this year's flown by man especially with seeing just uh, the, the progress that you've made i follow you on all your social accounts and everything and just all of the steps that you've made in your career it's it's uh, yeah it's it's been a big year for you that's that's for damn sure
0: yeah i think in a, in a past life i was like a shark or something i don't know if that <laughs> reincarnation works um, but yeah i feel like if i ever stop moving or take a break i might die you know that's that's like the science of sharks or whatever if they ever stop moving or go to sleep like they die i don't know if it's true but that's the that's what they say
1: well you know i kind of have that same mentality myself man the, the people around me are looking at me like dude you're gonna kill yourself what the hell's going on just stop take a take a damn break and like it's fine it's not that's not how i'm programmed man that's, that's not amazing. how i do this it's, you know, you
0: know it's, tell, tell them i'm not here for a long time i'm here for a good time damn
1: straight see that's i like that philosophy i really do i like that philosophy
0: (laughs) um Um, do you know my buddy david pepos who does uh spencer and Locke and uh going to the chapel
1: oh absolutely yeah he's been on the podcast uh uh just uh, a few months ago now but absolutely
0: david David always tells me like i don't i don't have to live forever i just have to outlive my enemies so like that's that's (laughs) rolled into my my mission statement too Dude if that's not the the words of a fucking comic book
1: creator I don't know what is <laughs> like that's that's so comic book right there may, maybe more of a comic book villain but at the same time it's still badass that's it's so comic book it's perfect it's, we've got the right mentality for this game that's for sure um so yeah uh, for the listeners that don't know uh Frank he's he's a breakout indie creator that came out last year big uh, he's done some <laughs> some shit that's for sure uh we've got some Ringo nods from grief that was your first book correct
0: yeah it uh it came out originally in 2017 and uh that was like a, it was a digital only kickstarter and then uh I was able to finagle that into like a print deal at source point press and that's how I sort of got my start um at, in 2018 but uh yeah grief was yeah that was my first book it's actually my first work ever um like I wrote ten short stories in twenty sixteen and that's what grief is. And like I've I've never written anything that it wasn't published. I just I refuse to let anything go to waste. <laughs>
1: Well that that's that's incredible. Um I, that that's actually very impressive. B- before we 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 move forward with that, I kind of want to I want to know where where the the writing bug came from, you know. You just one day you decided I'm going to write or what made it, what made you think it was going to be comics or short stories or um really what I'm getting at is what why comics is what it comes down to. What what was the uh, the thing that grabbed you about comics from the root that made you think years later, or however long it may have been later, uh, to say okay, this is how I'm going to do this this thing that I want to try.
0: You know, I love when people ask this because they always think it's going to be this this short answer, but um, this is this is my worn piece, this story. But I'll try. I'll do, I'll do the cliff notes version. Um, <laughs> Yeah, n- not to like make myself sound like a sorry sack or anything, but like I had a really shitty childhood. Um, and like that was like how I first got into comics. Like, I grew up on uh the Spider Man animated series, Batman the animated series, some of the later 80s cartoons, like Ninja Turtles. Um, and and that sort of led me to comics like as a backdoor. Um, and comics were kind of my way of like getting away from like the bad shit in my life. Like, both my parents had drug problems, um, and and like home life wasn't great. Um, so I'd like steal away into my bedroom and read, like, Batman, Superman. Um, But, like, I always sort of felt in, like, the back of my mind, like, something wasn't quite right, like, with reading comics because, like, I couldn't relate to any of the stories. Like, you know, Superman's perfect, Batman's a billionaire, you know, Peter Parker is, you know, superpowers. Like, I mean, like, there's always just sort of, like, this little disconnect for me. Um, So as time went on and, like, my life continued to not be awesome for most of the first two decades I was around, um. Yeah, I, I sort of grew closer and closer to comics, and 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 picked up more comics. And like, I just I love the medium. Like, I've I've always loved story. Like, uh, like I have three uh, literature degrees and creative writing degrees. Um, two two of them master degrees, yeah, masters degrees. Um, so like, this is something like I've spent a lot of time with. And I really love. Um, and and comics was just like, you know, when I decided I like I, I remember the moment. I was I was a junior in high school. I was taking a class called Honors Major Themes. Um, and we're reading uh their eyes were watching god by zora neale hurston um and like there's this 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 scene in this book about uh it's a, about a, a black woman who's extremely repressed by her you know society and, and and her her husband specifically um and she finally has like had enough shit and she she like finally decides to break out from it and like she lets her hair down for the first time in the book and like it's a small moment but like it it like really hit me. It was like, oh, she's, she's like literally freeing herself. And like, that's when I realized like this kind of stuff that storytelling could do. Um, And then like, I'd go on to like study like Watchmen and write some papers on Watchmen in in high school and college. And like, as I started to like realize like what stories could do, like I was way more interested in them than like anything else. Um, So like at some point I knew I wanted to write. And then like not long after that, I knew very like specifically I wanted to write comics Um, and like, that that's that's where the want came from it would be a very long time after that until i like actually sat down and was able to do the work and feel confident about it but that in a nutshell that's that's sort of the origin story
1: well that's well that's very interesting for sure um because your work definitely reflects on a uh on a rough childhood That that's i mean there's no doubt about it i've i've had the opportunity to 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 read No Heroine in advance, and obviously I'm not gonna spoil anything or give anything away. But or dies. I mean, there's, <laughs> it's 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 rough stuff, man. And then uh, Dead End Kids as well. It's uh, uh is I mean, what, did you consider yourself a Latchkey kid? Did you have a, a a group of friends that you ran around with, or was it just you and comic books, keeping yourself sane and in your own little world away from all the terrible?
0: Uh, I, I definitely had, had friends I grew up with and like, like not, not to like make it like very dramatic or melodramatic, but like, they're like having friends and like being able to get outside the house and have like, you know, some kind of external relationships to my home life was probably a big part of the reason how I made it this far in life. Honestly, um, I had, I had three friends, um, sort of like the kids from stand by me. We were just like a tight little click, uh, it was me, my brother Joey, my brother Harry, and my cousin Tom, um, and we just we fucking we played baseball in the the park, and and we fucking walked through the woods, and like built forts, and like got lost, and like would you know go out at like seven o'clock in the morning on the Saturday, and be back by the time the streetlights came on. Like this is making me feel kind of old saying this all out loud, but yeah, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, so like a lot of that is. Of the basis for Dead End Kids, um you know, for you've read it. Um, hopefully by now, some of the people listening have had the chance to read it. um It's, you know, it's it's very much like an an homage to that that period right before like our modern period. You know, before the mass um, proliferation of cell phones and like before like we had iPads and and before internet in every house was a thing. Like I grew up in a house that didn't have the internet. I don't think I got the internet. Like consistently for the first time until i hit high school um so like it's just yeah and not it was also like meant to be like an anti-nostalgic kind of thing like i i i think very i believe very truly that like nostalgia is bullshit like it's it's Mm. it's people like harping on something from the past and like romanticizing it that's exactly the reason why i wrote dead end kids um like I look back at my childhood and, like, I don't think of it as, like, the better years of my life or the easier years. They weren't easy. Like, my parents were drug addicts. My, my best friend's mom got stabbed 17 times by his dad, and his dad was in jail for most of his life. Like, I mean, like, not that everyone has these kinds of experiences, but to say that, like, childhood was easy when we're emotionally underdeveloped and, and like don't have any of the emotional or mental faculties to do anything about our situations like totally takes like any sense of strength or agency children have out of their hands. Um, that's not to say that they weren't good times. I love those memories and I look back on them fondly but I don't want to see them through rose-colored glasses. I want to see them honestly you know good and bad.
1: Well no that makes sense and that's it's a bold move to make because it's you know and it's rare to, to see in kind because really that's that's how you sell a book these days is oh remember that thing that you love you know remember south park the Member berries like that's that's it's all it fucking is is just that's how you bring things away and then draw attention towards the or away from the negative shit that we really i mean it's not all bad to focus on negative sometimes sometimes you need to focus on negative to to fix the fucking negative fix the problem you know well, you can't just keep pushing it away so uh, t- with something like this it is the eye opening like hey remember how sometimes you actually have problems that you gotta fucking fix and deal with that's a thing too well, so, that,
0: that's exactly it like we like I mean this is gonna border on cliche and like oh blah blah but like especially being like a, a dude like we don't engage with our feelings and our emotions like it's it's getting easier and we're and it's, society's getting to a spot where like we're, we're encouraged to do it more. But for a generation before me, I'm I'm 32. Like, I remember, I don't think my father would have ever felt comfortable talking about his feelings. And, like, he's not that much older. I mean, he'd, he'd be in his early 60s right now if he was still alive. Um, and, like, just as a society, like, we don't, we sort of shove the bad shit under the carpet um, and we don't address it. And everything I've ever written grief, dead end kids, no heroin, it's all about looking at these very hard, to look at topics and and looking at them honestly and and engaging with with content and and things that aren't comfortable but you know absolutely deserve our attention
1: no no i i I agree completely it is it and you know this having a writer like you around is a nice change of pace you know it's there's nothing wrong with having the 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 escape, that's for sure. The escape is kind of the, the escape in comics that comics provide has got me out of some shit for sure. Now, I mean I changed my fucking life once I, I refound or yeah reconnected with what that escape that comics does. but then like I said, things like this are still just as important. So and it's it, it is an escape, but it is in its own way too. It's a reality check is what it is and yeah no i i dig it man i I dig it quite a bit i I admire what you do um and like i said i want to talk about no heroin but i definitely don't want to don't want to give anything away uh one thing we can say about no heroin though is the premise is uh disturbing as it may be it does have kind of a fun twist to it and you throw in uh, a little bit of fantasy out there with the the vampire thing so it's not all it's not all super serious with Fright Gogol. <laughs> like I, I, I dig that too. Uh, so, what, what could you tell me about, or tell me, tell all the listeners about No Heroine?
0: You know what? I'm, I'm actually pretty loose handed with a lot of it. Like I, I think that we can talk about a lot of it without ruining it. Um, so, um, the, the premise of the book is, is pretty simple. Um, I grew up watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer at probably way too young an age and absolutely fell in love with it and the storytelling. Like it's one of those things. Like, if I were to pick, like, my milestones and the things that really informed me wanting to create my own stories and, and you know, how I would do it, Buffy is is probably the first thing that, like, made, like, I remember Buffy was on when I was in fourth grade and, you know, moving forward. And uh, when I was in fifth grade, uh, the season two of Buffy, like, the ending of it, which I'm going to room right now, uh, mm-hmm. Buffy has to kill the love of her life to save the world uh and for the whole season he's been an evil douchebag and like has lost his soul and right before she has to kill him he gets his soul back doesn't remember doing any of it and she has to sort of make that hard choice between you know duty and sacrifice or uh, duty and passion and and she makes the hard choice and saves the world and gives up the thing that she cares about and like i always loved that kind of sort of pyrrhic victory where like the hero saves the day but like at an extremely personal cost um and that kind of stuff for, for me goes back to like even you know early stanley like it's always peter parker has to you know go meet aunt may for for dinner for her birthday and it's the thing she's been looking forward to all year and then fucking dr octopus has to come out and rob a goddamn bank and yeah, you know, Spider-Man's gotta save the day, and he totally misses the dinner, and now his you know, relationship with that May is strained. And and it's it's, yeah, the bank robbery has been foiled, and Doctor Octopus is behind bars, but now his relationship with that May sucks. Um, and and now like that's just very much in in the DNA of, of how I tell stories. So um, for No Heroin, it's it's about um, a young woman named Kayla who is uh, a recovering drug addict. Um, so she's in sort of the post-rehabilitation uh, period of, of, of drug use. There's three sort of acts as I, I see it. There's, you know, before and using drugs, uh, there's rehabilitation, and there's recovery. Um, so she's in sort of that last, hardest part where she's got to, you know, take care of herself without structure and, and still do the right thing. Um, and what happens in the book that sort of sets off the story is her friend Sid goes missing. Um and Sid is a fellow recovering addict who's a little bit further along has has like the structure built and has been helping Kayla, you know, stay clean and 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 do what she needs to do. Um, but Sid goes missing and Kayla finds out that he's sort of either been abducted or he's he's running with with some vampires who who deal drugs in their town. Um, and she has to sort of go on a suicide mission to, to save him. Um, it's you know it gets way more complicated than that, and like there's just twists and turns along the way. But essentially, it's it's about this this woman who wants to do the right thing, but isn't a very good person. You know, she it, she wants to save Sid because she thinks she needs him for support, not because she wants to save someone's life. So imagine Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but if she was a recovering drug addict who fought monsters for all the wrong reasons.
1: Hmm well it sounds like a comic definitely <laughs> sounds like a comic <laughs> you know
0: it's, and that's that's sort of by design like after writing grief and after writing dead end kids which fall largely into the category of drama and and like more realistic some of the stories in grief don't but for, for, by and large it does i i just wanted to do something a little more comic booky um you know and I love Buffy, so I wanted to sort of tackle writing my love letter to Buffy, and, and but how, how would I do it? You know, telling the kinds of stories I do. So this was a, a good middle ground. There's, there's some fantasy element to it, there's some, some hardcore-ness to it, um, but there's also like that deep gut-wrenching sort of emotional storytelling that you would have found in, in Grief or Dead and Kids.
1: Uh, well, yeah, for sure, um, and you know, there's th- this book. It's it, it's punk rock all the way through, man. It, it um, <laughs> uh, it has that hard hitting tone, but at the same time, it has the art style that that just it, it's really perfect for this. And um, you've it seems like uh, I'm gonna butcher uh, this this guy's name, huh. but uh, Svitakin,
0: Svit Svitakin. <laughs> K- I had to have him send okay. me. Uh, a voicemail attachment telling me how to pronounce it. <laughs> oh Before, man, doing podcasts for Dead End Kids last year says Savitikin, just just like what it looks like, but you would too many letters.
1: Gotcha. Well, I mean, it seems like you've exclusively worked with him up until this point, point. Uh, and you know his his work was absolutely suited for Dead End Kids. But I feel like Chris Mad and Shauna Mad just they they, they brought a, a whole extra just energy to to this book and it, and it it really does help carry the carry the talent quite a bit. so how did, how did you come about finding these guys?
0: Um, well, let's back up a second. Um, I've been extremely lucky and I know that not all artists are this way or all luck, writers are this way, but I've been very lucky to have found incredible collaborators to work with, people who always, understand my vision, enhance it, bring their own flavor to it, and, like, art in it to create a really great product or store or whatever you want to call it. Um, and Nanad was my very first collaborator ever. Um, he drew half, five or six of the stories in grief. Um, he colored some of them. Um, and, like, I just, I really enjoyed working with him. He was consistent. He was fast. He He was extremely collaborative and, like, you know, uh, it, was, it was just wonderful. So after Grief, like, it was really, a really easy choice to bring him on for Dead End Kids. And after I wrote the scripts, I realized I wrote them for him. Um, he loves, like, drama and sort of straight, like, non-fantasy, non-superhero, non-science fiction type stories. And I was like, oh, I'm writing this for him. And luckily enough, he was free. Um, he drew and colored the book. And we had Sean Reinhardt, who lettered Grief, come on to letter the book. And he absolutely slam dunked it like the lettering is my favorite part of that book it's just so so perfect it's inspired by like people like Russ Wooten who does a lot of recommenders uh lettering um so um back before I started writing comics uh I lived in New Jersey um I've been out in San Francisco for about two years so I spent most of my life in New Jersey and I had a local comic shop called Comics Crypt in Eatontown uh New Jersey and Chris was a fellow patron there uh, and we'd, we'd, we'd gotten friendly. Like, we weren't friends. We didn't hang out. Chris is a little bit older than me, and, you know, I didn't know him that well, but we, we would talk from time to time. And I knew he was, he did some artsy stuff. He had designed the logo for the store and had done some painting and some graphic design stuff that I was aware of. Um, but I didn't really realize how much of a comic artist he was. Um, and then in May of 2017, I was doing a convention outside of Philly, and he was tabling there. And we got to talking and had a little bit more of a substantial conversation. I saw him at the show and realized, oh shit, he's he's an artist. Um, and by the end of that conversation, Chris was like, "Yeah, if you ever you want to jam on something, you have a, a project in mind. Like, yeah, you know, we should work together. We, we've known each other all this time. You know, I like your stuff. You like my stuff." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, that would be great," but I didn't have anything. Um, So I got on the plane that Sunday to come back to San Francisco and by the time I got off the plane six hours later, I had 20-ish, 22-ish pages scripted already for the first issue of No Heroin. The idea was just sort of always in me. I wasn't aware of it and like once I saw Chris's art and like, you know, knew somebody was interested in in, in tackling something, something, you know, that just poured out of me. Um, So... Uh, I wrote the first issue, No Heroin, like, immediately. Uh, and then I didn't write another issue for months. Because um, I started writing Dead End Kids. Nanette and I got to work on Dead End Kids. And that was most of the uh, next year. Um, but I wanted to, to keep working with Chris. I wanted to keep him, like... Like, as soon as I find somebody I like working with, I keep working with them. Uh, because, like, it's just so rare to find yeah somebody you sync up with that way mm-hmm. um so Chris did the covers for Dead and kids um and that was sort of like a way to keep him busy like we, while I was not writing no heroin two and three um and eventually I came back and and wrote those and and now those are getting worked on, and we're on our way. um I'm not really sure I remember the question that this started with, but
1: oh no oh, well no I, I, that, that that circled <laughs> around nicely to be honest, uh, really it was just all about how how you met
0: your artists and shit here we are (laughs) um but you Um, had chris and sean so uh sean is chris's daughter um who i also knew from the shop but had interacted with even less like i had no idea that she was artistic at all like i think i maybe had said hello to her twice um but it turns out she's an extremely gifted colorist like i mean that's that's pretty fucking poetic you've got a a father who's a, a a traditional ink on paper artist pencils inks and then a daughter who can color like it's just it was like it was all it all fell together perfectly. He does this traditional? Yeah, yeah. He's uh he's got a, the the eleven by seventeen artboards. Uh he pencils by hand, he inks by hand, and then he scans them in and uh cleans them up a little bit and then Shauna takes them over.
1: Damn. Damn. Yeah, uh, that doesn't have, that's that's impressive. That that looks like it's uh it's been done on digital. Wow, that's that's really nice.
0: <laughs> You've the book, so you know what this, the first splash page looks like, the second page of the book. And oh, yeah. I've been trying for for over a year to get him to sell me that page. Really? <laughs> we'll get there. I only the cover of the Dead End Kids number one. Like That's the first piece of original art I ever bought and owned of my own work. Uh, and that's going to be the second one, Chris. So if you're listening, I'm coming for you.
1: Uh, well, it'd be a nice page to have. That's that's badass, and and immediately it just lets you know what the fuck you're getting into with this book. It is, yeah, it, it's gnarly shit, and the this there's a lot a lot of gnarly stuff going on in this book. Uh, really outside of it, there's the, this book is uh as well as Dead End Kids was to you, very near and dear to you because during that break, you know, you, from what I understand, some things happened that kind of changed the. The way this book was written yeah that's something you want to talk about
0: uh yeah uh i i could definitely i i could talk about that um so um i i mentioned my my best friends growing up tom joey and harry um and uh yeah these these are you know like these are my uh i don't know that we were the kids from stand by me we did everything together um and uh like, they're the kids I based Dead End Kids on. Um, so, last June, I was putting together some of the the materials for uh, the Dead End Kids trade, which consequently is in previews now for anyone listening who wants to check the book out. It comes out March 25th, so you can go pre order that now. Um, but I was putting together the dedication page. And, like, you know, in my mind, the book was always dedicated to, to those three guys because they're the kids I grew up with. Um, but somewhere along the way, as we were growing up, when we got into our early teens, uh, my brother Joey and my cousin Tom really just got into some some bad stuff, and and um, had some addiction problems, and and were in and out of jail and rehab, and um, it's it's been it's been you know a long twenty years since then, uh, yeah, sort of seeing them rise and fall rise and fall like so many people with addiction do um and uh I, like i said i wrote the first issue of no heroin before i wrote dead In kids and then i took a long break in between and just as i was gearing up to write numbers two and number three um in july of last year um that weekend before i went down to uh, uh miami for supercon to work the weekend and like when i got there my my brother harry Hit me up on, on Facebook and was like, Hey, give me a call. Um and I called him and, and he told me that my my brother Joey had passed away from an overdose. Um and that that was I don't know, it's it's like, you know, when somebody's like I said, rising and fallen so often you see them, you know, struggle with addiction, get a little better, fall back. It's something you kind of always eventually prepare yourself for and like yeah, I don't even know to this day, like, it's it's really sunk in in its own weird way, but, like, I'll never forget those few days, because on the Friday, or on the Thursday, rather, I was writing the dedication for dead and kids to him and, and my cousin and my other brother. On Saturday, <laughs> my brother was telling me that he had passed away, and then on Monday, I started writing you No know, Heroin Number 2 about this this young woman who was, was struggling with recovery and addiction, and um, it, it made it in a weird way silver lining kind of way not that i want to frame it that way but in a weird way like it made the story it was like the last thing that needed to click into place for the story like gave me a reason to write it beyond wanting to write it um if that makes sense like dead in kids like was emotionally attached to my childhood and, and think of things i believe grief as well um no heroin sort of lacked that until this um and it's you know I'd, I'd much rather not have written the book or not get the opportunity to write the book or not love it the way I do, and still have my brother, of course. but uh, of course, you No, know, that's it's just it, it's wild. like life is life is wild like that
1: it is uh, yeah, man. and I mean, I'm I, I am sorry to hear about this the, the, that's that's absolutely awful. I couldn't imagine. I mean, you're gearing up for a con big, exciting day, and then a fucking Facebook message. Uh, yeah, no, it's... That's gut-wrenching, man. And But it proves testament to what you're about. You, you know, you, you took it and you, you turned it into something positive. You got a book here and you get a... You know, I, I imagine people that pick up this book that may possibly know someone that's struggling with anything like that or maybe they are themselves. Uh, I, I, I could see this turning some shit around for them. I, I do. This is... I mean, this is a real life story. I mean, obviously with a twist for sure, but it's coming from a real place is what I'm trying to say. So, and I'm sure any, any reader out there would recognize that. Not that I'm one that's, you know, uh, thankfully uh, I've never had to struggle with the heroin addiction or anything like that. But even not being that person that's not after reading this, I immediately thought like shit this is uh (laughs) this is this is deep stuff man and i haven't even been in that situation so yeah no you're you're doing good things here man it all it is like i said it's uh it's a shitty way to say it and frame it but a silver lining i guess because this so i would
0: imagine it's going to change some lives once once the right hands get on it I, i i hope so like um I, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about like what my sort of storytelling philosophy and like my mission statements are like the kind of storyteller I want to be. And that, that sounds pretty flowery now that I'm saying it out loud. But
1: uh,
0: <laughs> like the the whole reason grief exists is because like I like I said earlier, like I, was, I read comics and loved them, but could never really connect with them. I didn't see. People going through shit that I could recognize or things that I could relate to. So, all the short stories in grief are, are, you know, there's aliens and, and monsters and shit, but it's about people going through real stuff. And, like, that's all secondary, like the monsters and stuff. Um, and it was the kind of book that I wish I had when I was, like, growing up and starting to read comics, like, one where I could see people going through things and, like, maybe moving a little bit further past them or, or, you know, getting a little bit of hope, like that, that kind of shit. And, and I tried to do the same thing and in, in dead end kids and, you know, its own unique way. And I'm, and I'm hoping that, you know, no heroin is, is that same kind of thing. Like it's the book that, you know, you know, that meme, like, I don't know who needs to hear this, but you no, know, like that's, that's kind of like the not funny version of that is my storytelling philosophy. Like th- this book is, you know, for whoever comes across it and it like, unfucks their shit up a little bit you know
1: mm-hmm. yeah no and I, I i'd like to think that com- comics can serve that type of purpose beyond just you know a entertainment value you know it's, it's, you it's i mean like i said comics changed my fucking life for the better it got me out of a situation and um yeah you're you're you're, you're proof that shit like this can yeah there's there's other outlets for it man sorry i'm rambling because i'm 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 genuinely impressed with the 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 route that you're taking uh, becoming a comic creator and uh, you know it's it's all happening so quickly i mean you're're you're, you're brand new you're fresh to this you've you fucking sold out your first uh your first printed book with uh dead end kids what was that like seven thousand copies between two printings or
0: something like that yeah it was it was like three thousand for the first printing three thousand for the second printing um there was a, a small third printing that I did myself that sold out like really quick and then like 12 or 1300 copies across like a handful of variants um that all sold out within like minutes of being released online and at shows and stuff like that I mean the the reaction to the book has been tremendous like honestly it the, the book like it, it kind of fucked me up a little bit at first um a because a, like I never expected it I have like extremely managed expectations about things like when I submitted the book, I was like, "Hey, this might not get accepted." And when it got accepted, I was like, "Okay, what do we do next?" Like, I don't try to get too excited or too far ahead of myself. Um, and and when the um, when the book was in previews, I, you know, I, I tried to pimp it as much as I could. I came on all the podcasts I could. You know, we we couldn't make it work in the last year, but here we are. Um, but I, I tried to do a bunch of podcasts. I tried to do all the the Facebook, social media, like whatever I could do to let people know. And I was like, "Listen, if we sell a thousand copies." That'll, that'll be amazing. That's a thousand copies in, in, in people's hands that are gonna know this book and, and hopefully, you know, fall in love with it. And then we ended up, you know, doing across several printings, like low, low image and low boom numbers, you know, low dark horse numbers, like which is, is pretty wild. Um, but like it also came with like some pretty like fucked up shit I wasn't ready for. Um, the book was like much hotter than I could have ever imagined like not i'm not trying to like brag like this this is horrifying to me looking backwards um but the the book was delayed a couple weeks um and it came out in august instead of july like it was supposed to and prior to the delay two weeks before that it had sold out so there was a four month four week gap where people had wanted it and there weren't enough and then the book finally came out and like over that four weeks like the ebay sales like jumped up to like 40 dollars a copy um it and it just it, it it was like fire, like wildfire. Like and and like even that, like throughout all that I was like, okay, people are this will pass. But then the book finally did drop, I think on it was on August seventh, and I'm on the East Coast or I'm on the West Coast and comic shops open around eleven o'clock. Um, so at eight o'clock my time, eleven o'clock east coast time, shops opened and by like eight oh one I had my first east coast shop calling me saying, Hey, We just sold out of 10 copies of your book. We just sold out of 15 copies, 20 copies of your book. Can you get us more? Can you get us more? And, like, that went on for weeks. Like, well well past, like, the second issue coming out and, like, most of the way to the third. Um, And, like, first and foremost to to anyone listening, the creator cannot get you more copies of the book. (laughs) I'm the last person in the packing order. You want to hit up Diamond? You want to hit up the publisher? Maybe they do like a like a retailer portal type thing where you can get stuff directly from them. But I don't have copies. I don't have a warehouse. Um, but like okay. it was it was nuts. Um, and like it was it was for days and it was all hours of the day. Like I, I even had a shop in Ireland call me. I was like oh, I can't do I can't do anything for you. Um, but and that's that's sort of where like. A lot of the variants came from like uh, we did a lot of convention exclusive and store exclusive variants as a sort of way to like get the book in people's hands. And honestly, like it seems like a way to capitalize on it, like you know, sell more copies, make more money. Um, it, it was really me behind the scenes pushing it, trying to say, hey, these people want this book. How can we find another way to put it in their hands? Like, what's another opportunity? Um, and I pushed really hard for that second printing. I did. I did a printing on my own dollar. Like it's just, however i make comics so that way people can read comics like i don't give a shit about the money like i'm glad i get some like that's great these things are super expensive to make but they you know never break even i do this because i like it and because it's what makes me happy um and and you know that that experience with with dead end goods being so popular really tested how much i liked comics for a little while
1: well, uh, yeah, I, 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 I can imagine,
0: so grateful. man. Not grateful, but like, it was, it was rough.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, you, you don't expect something like that. Well, but at this, you gotta kind of be grateful, I guess, for that, that delay a little bit, because that, in some way, that, that definitely had to play a part into the, the demand for it, because people knew that it was out there, and then all of a sudden, oh shit, now we can't get it, and. That's just how the human brain works. We want what we can't have, and then they fi- when they do finally get it, we're good out. Holy shit! This thing that we didn't know we wanted is fucking incredible. And then, yeah. So it's <laughs> it does kind of it did work in your favor, I would bet. But at the same time, it's got to be fucking gut wrenching thinking. Oh damn it! My my first book, and now you know I've been telling everybody it's this date, and now it's not going to be this date, and surely everybody's going to just forget about it because they had this date in their head and. Uh, I mean, I know how my brain works. I would have been going fucking nuts.
0: <laughs> you know what? I probably could have dealt with it gracefully if I had not set up two signings at stores the day it came out.
1: Oh, shit.
0: And flew down to LA. like like had It's uh, in a hotel and everything, like set. Um, luckily, I had bought copies from the publisher and had them on hand and was able to make it through five or six signings, um, which got me through to when the book finally did release. Um, So like you know all's well that ends well and like I'm glad I was prepared. Um, And honestly like looking back as sort of like hard and and honestly terrifying as the whole experience was, um, I do appreciate it. Like for my day job I work at a startup and we have like eight employees and I'm the only person in marketing. Like it's a small operation and I have to do a lot of stuff and a lot of stuff I've never done before with, with no one to train me. And like that, that, I mean, that's how startups are, but you figure stuff out on the fly, you find tools, you find solutions and you make it work. And like, I was able to sort of, you you know, take that transferable skill and adapt to a not great situation really well. And like learn a lot of lessons. Like one of the lessons was that, you know, the pre-order window for ordering comics isn't very big. It's, it's Mm -mm. just under two months for every single book. Um, that book was in previews in May and came out in July, or was supposed to come out in July. Um, and I pushed really hard during those couple of months, like, getting the word out there. Um, but one of the shortcomings of, a like, a 60-day window is you can only tell so many people in so many ways. Um, and a lot of people ended up finding out about the book after the fact. Um, and that was, that was one of the problems. And that's why the book... That comes out in june is getting talked about with you on this podcast now in january um Mm -hmm. will it make a difference i have fucking no idea but it's it's i I saw a problem and i dreamt up some kind of solution and we're going to see if it works i i I can't make anything worse like it's not going to make pre-orders lower right
1: no definitely not you're absolutely right and it's wise to do that because um, what I found and really, uh, one thing that may have hurt with the, the people not knowing in the beginning is, it is such a small publisher and this is going to sound kind of weird, but a small publisher was a name that kind of starts towards the end of the alphabet with S oh,
0: Yeah. so no.
1: source point is in the back of the book when the, when these guys at these shops are going through and figuring out what the fuck they're going to order for the next couple of months um or two months from now yeah, yeah yeah they might not fuck i'm tired of the s's what what, what's you know is source point i mean obviously they know source point but source point does put out quality and it, oh, this year the, i i gotta say um i don't know if you raised the bar at source point but the shit that they've been coming out with since i've read dead end kids has been hmm, very <laughs> I, I palatable have, that's for sure <laughs> you have an
0: entire separate interview about my thoughts on that and there's so much good stuff going on there like i in addition to writing and publishing with them i also handle their digital um content strategy and and like upload everything to comiXology which is why like a lot of stuff isn't on comiXology yet because i haven't gotten to it (laughs) Uh, but like i i know what's in the pipeline i i know like some of the longer term plans i know some of like the things that are going on behind the scenes um i mean it's just such a cool company like if we could take like two seconds to just talk about it like at Source Sourcepoint Press is is absolutely, without a doubt, easily the smallest, uh, the biggest small press publisher in the U.S. Like, I mean, they're they're doing somewhere between like eight and eight eight and fifteen books a month, depending on the month. Like, that's that's a lot for a small press indie publisher. Like, though, like, yeah, that's that's more books than Valiant puts out a month. Yeah, it is there's, and, and there's no comparison like i'm not trying to compare anything here but yeah just just for the sake of perspective um and and it's up there with what the output of, of image now it's not far behind that um boom a couple months ago was was not far ahead of those numbers in terms of output um but like there's there's something special going on there and and i don't want to get too in the weeds about it but source point press is it's a publisher obviously like and it but it's 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 got like the makings of something much bigger and like i think that it's all starting to come to a head like for for anyone who doesn't know source point press is a a small publisher out of of michigan um and which has one of the liveliest indie comic scenes in, in the world definitely in the us um but they take or at least to begin with took a very grassroots approach like they weren't in diamond for a long time uh instead of Going through Diamond, they would self-publish their stuff and do fifty conventions a year and hand sell everything. Um, and as as the conventions came and went, and new creators came aboard, like the, the numbers just sort of swelled. And like I'm just gonna throw throw take a shot in the dark here, but I'd say there's no fewer than a hundred creators involved with the company. And 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 when I say creators involved with the company, I mean like they are attending shows. Working the booth, selling their books, selling our friends' books, our collaborators' books, or you know, it, and it's, it's gotten to a point where it's it's not, it's not like a publisher at least for me anymore. Anyway. It's like a family. Like I was up in Portland this past weekend with Garrett Gunn, who does Franklin and Ghost um, and Cold Dead Hands, which is coming out later this year, and like I've worked probably ten shows with Garrett over the last few years. Garrett and I are friends. Like it's 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 not the same as like two people who publish with the same publisher. It's like two people who are building the same empire, like for lack of a better word. Um, no, I, but know, it, I know what you mean. In addition to that, like the the the, the parent company that owns Sourcepoint Press, um, Oxide Media, also owns a game company, The board of Games. Um, so there's like incredible opportunity for for cross pollination of brands and, and building that up. And like you're starting to see some of that. I mentioned Garrett's book, Franklin and Ghost. Franklin and Ghost is a board game now. And it is also the the publisher's first animated property project. It's in development right now. It's got Belly Bob Thornton attached to voice one of the characters. Uh, Goku and Vegeta for Dragon Ball are attached to voice two of the characters. Um, the woman whose name escapes me, but who voiced Ash Ketchum in the original Pokemon series is on board. I mean, like, you know, like, this is a company making real moves. They put out their first movie last year. Uh, like, it's, I don't foresee this growth stopping, uh, at all, like not not anytime soon, like at all. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to be fucking along for the ride. Like I'm I'm so grateful. Like I can't even put into words how how much fun I have with these people and how much I love them. That's
1: so, that's so reassuring to hear because, uh, because I mean uh, th- these last couple of years, man. Indie comics have just been on the rise, and it's so nice to to know that these these smaller print places like Source Point and Action Lab and all these places are starting to really make a a fucking hell of a footprint in the industry, you know they're 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 up there Damn. with the boom and the IDW and all of that now. So, um yeah, no, and I, I I gotta say I I really do gotta give you a lot of credit for that because I I think the I mean it's not very uh, granted source point they they they've never lacked quality, but it's not very often they're they're sending books to the the printer for a third time either.
0: So, yeah. No. I, I may have been the first. I don't know. I, probably the second. I think maybe the rejected was the first book to go to to a third printing. Um, but it, you know, it's just it's it's smart decision making. There's great people running the company. Uh, Travis McIntyre, the the editor in chief and and CEO or president. Uh, Josh Werner, who's the art director and like the, the the founder of the company. I mean, like they're just smart guys who are fucking hustlers. I mean, that's that's what the real key is. Like everyone at the company hustles. Um, that when I came on for my first convention, I got walked through like a super rigorous sales training, like on, on the show floor without ever having hand sold the book before. Um, when, when Grief came out at C2E2 two years ago, I'd never sold a comic before in my life by hand. Um, and I, I talked to Travis at the beginning of the show. He's like, well, listen, it's an anthology, it's dealing with a topic that a lot of people don't want to engage with. So, like, you know, just, just go in with managed expectations like do your best and and if you sell 20 across the weekend like that's a fucking win like absolutely take that like that those are good numbers we ended up selling 25 the first day and and, and almost 70 by the end of the weekend like and that's and awesome. that, and that is because of that sales training it's because of the the, the camaraderie the the just the, the positive fucking environment they provide and like everyone leans on everybody like it's 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 a good fucking time working at a source point press booth like let me tell you that, that that's
1: that's awesome to hear man i and i i, I could tell it's legit excitement coming from you too it's not just them you're you, you, they they don't have a gun to your head on the other end of the microphone that i'm not saying like i could sense that you know, you're not reading i mean the, not the, that the i cue cards
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know what the other really cool thing is like everybody wants to get in on it like it i mean i don't know let me let me think about how to say that the right work in the booth like, the, the most random, awesome people will, will come through. Like, um, we've got people who, at Diamond who love us. And, like, you know, I, I don't know if I should say this, but, like, some of them, like, overemphasize the SourcePoint Press product sometimes and, like, have to be told, to like, hey, pay attention to the other publishers, too, once in a while. And, you know, we've got really incredible people just... Like, uh, one really good example is uh, we had a an after party for the first time at New York comic-con this year uh, at a burlesque place um, not too far from the convention center. And it, it was fun. Like a few hundred people came out and like what, what really amazed me was like, it was a lot of the familiar faces, everyone who publishes with the company, some friends of friends. Um, but what, what was really cool was seeing like creators from other publishers coming out. I'm like, I'm not saying like they're that the other publishers party sucked or whatever, but like that just speaks to, you know, how wide the net is cast with this, you know, just everyone is friends and like, it's, it's a good time. And, you know, seeing, seeing the IDW guys hanging out at, at the source point press after party was, was pretty dope. Like, I mean, I don't know. How else to yeah. yeah. Like, and, and that's, you know, look, it's, it's hard work. Making comics isn't easy. Not everything is a home run. Like it, it, there, there are realities here. And I don't make mean to make it sound like that it's the perfect company all the time that does all the right things and knows Everything that needs to know. But, like, I've been with the company for two almost two years. And like, without them, I wouldn't be where I'm at in my career, and that's, yeah, you know, a testament to how wonderful and supportive and amazing everyone over there is. Like I put out two books. One of them got nominated for a top industry award. One of them was the biggest indie book of last year. Um, I, I mentioned before we started recording, I think, that, like, I, you know, I've I've got emails coming in from editors and publishers, um, like, I mean, and all of that is possible, because they took a chance on me, and, 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 and I think that's their greatest strength, like, they're willing to say, you're worth it, and, like, that sounds cheesy as fuck, it's coming out of my mouth, but, like, grief was a hard sell, and they said, no, this book needs to be in people's hands, and we're gonna take a chance on it, and they did, and I answered that them taking a chance by busting my ass to make sure that the book was a success. It's it's all very symbiotic, uh, is what I'm getting at, I guess. No,
1: I I know what you I know what you mean. I do, and you know it's 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 nice to hear credit going to the publishers, and it's it's not. I'm not necessarily saying not enough people are giving credit to the publishers. But at the same time, there might not be enough publishers out there that deserve the credit that maybe Sourcepoint gets, as far as uh, being so so for their their creators. Because you know, let's face it, they're companies; they're in it to make money. They have and the money's in their best interest. And to know that the the publishers have that same type of mentality that a creator must have going into this, and that being, it's not about the money. You have to do it for the love of the fucking industry, and the love of the work, and the story, and everything about it like you stated earlier i mean you said you got a day job man you had the indie book of the year you're not doing it for the fucking money and it's nice to know that the publishers have that same type of mentality they know the cream will rise to the top and here they are now they're they're upping their 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 production with the titles that are coming out and the quality's just getting better and better and better so yeah no it is it's nice to hear that the the publisher does play that that type of part in in the success as well
0: yeah, no, I'm I'm super, like, honestly, I don't say, like, blessed very often, not particularly religious, <laughs> but, like, this is the one context where I'll say, like, I'm fucking blessed out out out, out of every orifice, like, I could have landed a lot of places, I could have landed nowhere, but because I landed where I did, in the way I did, and, and and took advantage of the opportunities in front of me, like, I'm doing things that I may have never done, or may have taken seven, or eight, or nine, or ten years, like, I feel like, a lot of stuff in comics scares me and the speed at which i am moving through a comics career is a little a little scary for me like yeah eventually like you're gonna do something where you don't hit a home run right or 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 you're or you're gonna like hit a peak that you can't rise over as easily as the last ones and like i'm just waiting for like the, the bottom to fall out under me but until it does i'm just gonna keep busting my ass and being grateful i guess
1: well, yeah, man. I mean, you definitely have the work ethic behind it. Uh, we 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 obviously know that um, no heroin is going to be a thing this year. And we were kind of talking before and you, 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 before we recorded, and you were saying that uh, um, you've you've pretty much doubled your, uh, <laughs> your 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 work this this year. Does that mean we're we're have we're going to have more books beyond no heroin? Is there other things uh, in in the pipeline this year to talk about?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mentioned, I I mentioned I work in a startup and like one of the ways that like startup companies really build themselves up is like through scaling, like, you know, you, you find ways to do more of what is successful so you can reap more success. Um, And I I really take that to heart and try and apply it to like my comics career. I think it's a smart strategy. Um, So I, you know, every year i try to do more conventions than the last the year before and and more signings and and and, and better projects um, so in 2018 i did no st- one store signing on free comic book day i did 15 conventions and i put out an anthology in 2019 i put out my first mini series i did 17 store signings and 17 conventions so not in honor of 2020, I've sort of committed myself to doing 20 conventions and 20 source signings and putting out two miniseries. No heroin's the first of those miniseries. Um, that's on the schedule, that's 100% coming out, um, and if I fucking keep hustling my ass off, Dead End Kids 2 will be out by the end of the year.
1: Nice, man. That's awesome. That's oh. Wow, back to back years on Dead End Kids. That's you got some. You're gonna have some happy readers, and I think this time they're gonna fucking know you pick up issue one when it comes out and pre-order it too. Pre-order yep. it because some some local comic book stores, like I said, they fuck up and they don't flip all the way back to the S's and they skip Sourcepoint Press if there's only a couple things coming out, and sometimes that page and previews isn't big and flashy like it should be. So. Should get swept under the rug. So if the listeners know, then the 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 shop owners are going to have no choice when the name Dead End Kids is right in front of them to yeah. to to make those orders. So that's yeah, my that's, it's,
0: that's that's why I'm doing these fifty podcasts and and doing them six months early. Um, listen to anyone who's listening. Um, if you take anything from this long ramble of nonsense that has been everything I've said so far, take only yeah. this way. Um, pre-order comics like it's you know, if I can get on my pedestal real quick um, this industry runs on an imperfect system that's called pre-ordering comics and you know it's it is what we have right now and um, essentially the way it works is comic stores order comics that they think they can sell uh, indie comics are a hard sell there's no guarantee they'll move they're, they're not you know Marvel and DC sell and they're even those aren't aren't uh, easy to sell sometimes. Um, Mm. So the only way, honestly, that a comic shop will order an indie book is if you ask for it. Um, And the only way to to let them know is for you to ask for it. Um, So if my book or anyone else's book, if you like Ogres by Bob Sally or Franklin and Ghost by um, Garrett Gunn, or if you fucking Doug Canto from David Boer and Drew Zucker over at IDW last year, or, or a triage at Dark Horse by Phil Seavey. Like order the books. Like when you hear about it, write it down. Take it to your shop to be like, hey, the Frank Gogol guy's got a book coming out. I want to check it out. No heroin. It's a Sourcepoint Press book. Yeah, it, it doesn't take a whole lot of information to find the book in the system. Like, um, but you gotta you gotta let them know. Last year, Dead and Kids. Uh, you know, the orders came in. There were so many. Uh, SourcePoint Press printed the number of orders that they were given, plus a little more to cover damages and maybe some reorders later. People found out about the book later. It was too late. It was sold out. And, like, it was a whole mess for me, for retailers, for you, the readers who wanted to check it out. So if you're listening and no heroin sounds like the book for you, it's Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She was a recovering heroin addict, and she fought monsters for all the wrong reasons. If you liked Dead and Kids, if you like Buffy... If you like monster stories, if you like indie books, if you like SourcePoint Press, if this sounds like a book you want, tell your comic shop. The pre-order window is from April to the end of May. So, you know, I'm going to do my best to keep it on your radar between now and then. Um, but just make a note. You know, Put a note on your phone with a timer or an event calendar thing. You know, like, it's technology is your friend in this situation. But if you take away one thing from this interview... Pre-order comics that you fucking dig because that's the only way they get made, they get sold, and that your shop will know.
1: Yeah, no, and this is obviously uh, honestly a, uh, a a something that comes up at damn near almost the end of every one of these creator corners. Man, is it you know whether I bring it up or the you know you the creator, it's I, I I I hammer this home all the time. It's so important, and I can I'm thankful to say that um, because of uh, Dead End Kids um uh mile high comics the world's largest comic book store that just so happens to be my local comic book shop is ultra aware of source point books now they flip all the way to the fucking s's now when i showed him look what you could have had when i showed him the ebay prices of the first issue of dead end kids I said look you could you we could have this book in the shop or we could have had more in this shop and he saw that and said okay I believe you Brian. I'm going to I'm going to start fucking with Sourcepoint now. So now there's not a single Sourcepoint book that Mile High Comics does not order. So uh but uh, like I said if it was, I mean it, it, it is super super important because now it's opened the eyes to the world's largest comic book store and yeah, but as the 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 reader themselves, you you have to let these these guys know otherwise just like everything that you just said man, it's sometimes it's just not going to happen and it, it, it's a bummer when it does and fear of missing out. And you know, no, I'm going to say it, nobody wants a fucking book coming from eBay. Nobody wants that shit. Nobody wants to wish uh, and
0: oh. hope. <laughs> um, if I, if I could like add on to your story to illustrate the point, actually, um, I was, uh, I did Denver pop culture con last year. Um, and I actually met, uh, the mile high owner. Um, I forgot his name at this Chuck. point. Chuck. Yeah, that's it. Um, I met Chuck and, um, pop culture con was before dead end kids one came out. Um, uh, but I, but I always tell retailers when I can meet them in person, I will walk up and, you know, I tell them about the book and, and I was like, Hey, this is a book I'm really proud of. I, you know, I hope you'll consider pre-ordering it. And, um, I don't know if they did or didn't. Um, but you know the point is they probably didn't. Um, and that's why he, you know, has sort of recommitted to, to checking out the source point press section. Um, but now I don't know what the hell I was trying to say. Um, oh, but yeah, no, even even the smartest, biggest retailers like don't always know to or think to or want to or or get to look at the back section of the book. Like there's the, even the best retailers in the world don't have all the buying power in the world to to make sure there's a copy of every single thing on their shelves for you to walk into the store and pick up on the day it comes out. Or to have yeah. extra copies for for after that. So you gotta pre-order the fucking books. Like that's 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 all there is to it like unfortunately.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, it's um I don't I don't know if we can hammer that home anymore man. If they don't get it at this point then shit <laughs> but we've got smart listeners man We're, I, I think they're good i think they get the point now um it's uh but yeah um this is this has been awesome we've we've definitely we we got into your head that's for sure but there's one little thing that i started doing at the end of these these creator corners here just recently and it's just to kind of get in a little bit more it's going to be a quick rapid fire five word uh word association type of thing just to kind of see uh, how, how your how your brain fires under pressure so uh this is going to be five words real quick that are pertaining to you know obviously the comic book realm and what you do so um one last thing to kind of give readers that little bit of insight uh are you, you down for this man
0: yeah i'm glad i didn't know about it in advance this is gonna yeah. be raw.
1: oh yeah um uh sorry so we're gonna start out with uh yeah like i said i'm gonna go rapid fire here so uh, pertaining to comics uh, hero what's the word
0: Ooh, uh spider-man
1: uh buffy oh, man. uh storytelling source point fucking epic <laughs> that's fucking awesome onomatopoeia
0: <sighs> struggle i'm not good at sound effects at all <laughs> in my scripts, i literally use brackets and put like i describe what the sound is supposed to be Hope to gosh I can figure it out.
1: I fucking love it. That's awesome.
0: Uh, last words villain. Oh man. Uh, uh, Hitler. Uh that, that wait, let me do it again. That was too easy. Um, <laughs> um politicians. Fuck
1: them, Dude, politicians. Uh, you know what? I, i love it i'm so glad i started doing this uh, yes all right cool um <laughs> we definitely got to know mr frank goggle a little bit more after that I, I, you know that's a. Uh, see should I, I should start out with this and then just kind of go in from there shit
0: <laughs> you know I, I could see it working either way like i it definitely it's fun but it's fucking it stressed me out like that was yeah. it's five words now we <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah that's why i think it's probably best to end it that way that way you're not uh yeah on on the heels of stress throughout the rest of the interview <laughs> uh, well this is this has been a whole lot of fun man i'm i'm glad we did this and uh you know i I hope that we get to talk again once uh dead end kids 2 is officially announced man we can get the the press rolling for that you know I, cheers to comics has has your back from here on dude i'm a fan of your work and you know like i said i actually i'm not gonna lie i i, I reread the third issue of dead end kids three like up until the last minute i called you just just to have it so fresh in my head or fresh in my head again and um uh, i'm lucky enough to say that i do have all three issues so uh. <laughs> um yeah i gotta go back and read all that before the trade comes out so but no, this is, this has been a whole lot of fun, man. I hope we get to do
0: this again soon. Yeah, man. God willing, right? Like you know, you never know if you're gonna wake up the next day. But uh, that's, I, I hope to. Yes.
1: Well, you just keep putting out books, man, and you're you're you you've got a a bright fucking future ahead of you, man. I I know you do. You're you're so new at this, and your name is already everywhere in the indie scene.
0: So trying, good on man. you, man. You
1: know, well, you're.
0: you're it's what they say, like like you know, it's a cliche but like just be so good they can't fucking ignore you anymore. Like I just I just say that I every day, like Yeah. You know, we'll see what happens.
1: <laughs> well, it's it, I think it's happening, man. It is. Uh I know I, I've got tons of listeners that are so looking forward to this interview <laughs> um, so uh i, I know that I, I haven't i don't know if i've actually announced officially that this is happening so um uh surprise <laughs> uh but i definitely know that a lot of my a lot of my listeners are are huge fans they respond to my uh my, my talks about dead-end kids that i've you know i've had throughout the podcast as i was reading the book and uh, doing the overviews of it all so yeah no this is uh uh I, You've got fan, you've got fans, and uh, the, your your fan base is just going to continue to grow as long as you keep doing this, man. Um, I, I hope it, it's it's not going to take a whole bunch of uh, shitty things happening for you to keep creating
0: stories, though. Uh, it's, you know, <laughs> I've got enough in the reserves for now, at least. You know, like we'll we'll, we'll check in in a couple of years and see like what I got left, and now maybe, yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs>
1: Well, God. yeah, maybe know.
0: 2021 we get that Frank Gogol feel-good story. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. You know, actually, there, there, I have a bunch of stuff that's not announced yet that's not necessarily going through Source Point. Like, some of it's actually way different. Right. Like, I got, like, a, a book. Like, I, I can't describe the stories right now, but, like, a book that's got, like, Scotty Young-type art. Like, I mean, it's, like, it's very different. Um, I got another book that looks like Jeff Lemire did it. Um, That's about... uh. Sort of like the post-Hurricane Sandy, like uh, fallout, like uh, where I grew up. Um, so that one's not a happy one. I take it back. <laughs> um, well, but I try to do something different every time and like keep keep building up my storytelling muscles. Like I always tell everybody, it's like it's like you're walking to the fucking gym. You're not gonna go in there and throw 300 pounds on the bench and and put out saga like you're gonna start with like the five pound weights and and do your shitty little indie book and your little ash can then you graduate to the 10s and the 20s and the 25s and maybe you start doing like you know anthologies and you know eventually you're doing like your first your first marvel work and like you know eventually then you are brian cave on like but it, it takes time and like i'm not in any kind of rush like if it could slow down a smidge even that'd be okay
1: yeah, and I, and that's and you know I could have gone on and asked you about what you aspire to be and all that, but at the same time I kind of I get the feeling that you're cool with the pace you're at right now, and like you just said, maybe even kind of woe nelly a little bit because you 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 just hit the ground running, man.
0: You you really did. I've I've got like I've been very lucky to to, to do that and and to to have been able to, to have as much success, however much that is. Like I'm not saying I'm successful, but however much success I've had in a short period of time. Um, but it's also put me in a position to be able to sort of take stock and look around and sort of have a longer view Um, like I've got a pretty rigid three-year plan that started this January to to potentially have me writing comics full-time by January 2023. It's dependent on a bunch of things Um, some of them aren't in my control like I can't make somebody give me writing work like there's just no way that I can do that like it's out of my hands It's somebody else's decision but I've got, like, a solid plan to, to have a year's salary in the bank so I could take a year off work if I, you know, am in a position to do it. I'm, I'm hustling my ass off doing shows while I can, get my name out there and putting out books that I think are good and trying to get them in as many people's hands as possible. Um, so, like, you know, God willing, like, in 2023, like, I'll be, I'll be doing this. I'll, I'll be fucking Matt Rosenberg or Ed Brisson or, you know, some of these guys that I really look up to who, like, busted their asses the same way and are making it work
1: well i believe you man i do i i, I believe you have it in you because like I said you've you've shown nothing but just uh, yeah i don't know man you you've you've been a force that's for sure so uh um man i i i i honestly feel like i could talk to you forever about all of that, everything i mean you've you've dude you've gone through some shit uh, I mean, we could we could Barbara Walters this all day. We really could, but at the same time, <laughs> I, uh, I want to. Uh, oh man, we next time, you know? That's yeah, it. exactly, exactly. Because <laughs> I, I have faith that there will be a next time. Because he's there's, I you're not slowing down. I I I I believe it. So, uh,
0: and I you know I like doing these these podcasts so much. Like I didn't think I would when I first started doing it I was like super fucking nervous and like. Would ramble, which hasn't changed much. But um, like, I, <laughs> like, sometimes I'm like, hey, I wonder, I wonder if they need like some, they need to get like it's like December. I don't have a book to push. Like, you know, I've been off the grid for a couple weeks, and I'm like, hey, I wonder if they want to talk. Um, the the dudes over at Spoiler Country have had me on like a bunch of times, like for no reason, just just to talk, um, and like just. Yeah, so I will absolutely come on. I will definitely have stuff to talk about, whether you want me to or not, whether <laughs> I have a book. Like, I just, I talk. Like, that was the biggest revelation of starting to write comics for me. Like, I, I, when I started working conventions, I was like, oh, I fucking hate talking to people. I don't want to engage. Like, I don't want to hand sell. I'm so bad at this. But then, like, by the end of the first day, like, people people would like, be like, no, nah, I, I really got to go. Like, it's like a five-hour drive home, and, like, <laughs> it's been two hours. <laughs>
1: I'm
0: not- Oh, come on, let me tell you about all these other books. What's your dog's name?
1: that's horrible. <laughs> that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Okay. Well, you see, when you, when you get into something you love doing, you, 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 you shit about you changes. This is this has been a whole lot of fun. We can go on and on and on. Like I said, we're going to save this for another time. Uh, the other stuff for another time. I, I'm i a busy man myself. This is I'm actually on my break from my 18-hour work day today. <laughs> I'm a, I, 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 I love this stuff. This is, I, I know I'm, I'm you're, I don't want to say I'm just as busy as you are by any means, but at the same time, I've, I've got, I've got stuff to do myself. I know that you need to get some rest. Um, but you know, I, I can't stop talking about all this stuff. You know, I, I <laughs> this is, I, I love talking about indie comics. I, I, this is what this podcast is all about. Um, that's why I do this. So uh, I'm not letting, uh, so when you talk about how hard you work and all of that, it's, it, I, it resonates with me because I, I have my own mission, in which you know I'd, uh, I, I need to get this shit out there, and people need to know, so yeah, this is uh <laughs> this has been fun, man. I, I feel like we kind of made a little bit of a connection here as far as the the work ethic and mentality goes,
0: yeah, no absolutely. And, and honestly, man, you're doing God's work, like, <laughs> like uh, I fullheartedly believe that some of the best comics being made, not all of them, but some of them a lot of them are being made at the indie level and they're totally getting overlooked um and and it's just it's it's honestly a fucking shame like there's there's some great stuff and and put shining any kind of a spotlight on it like this to to however many people whether it's one or a million like that like that really is to me in the world of comics like god's work like you yeah, know, it's it's people like you who who make the the, the me's of the world and 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 the Rosenbergs and the the, the Brian Cavans like just the you know the, the whole spectrum. Um, and honestly, like one of the things that like I love about indie comics is like that the creators are accessible. Like when I was a fan, not that I'm not a fan now, but when I was on the other side of the table, like I loved that the indie guys like had the time of day for me. Like some of the pros, like they've got long lines like they're, they're, they're signing for hours a time that they're, they're frustrated because you know they haven't had breakfast or whatever mm-hmm. Like, and i get that but like you know being being a fan on the other side of the table it, like it sucks too um but like you know shining light on indie guys and, and having people know who they are and, and be able to go see them in a con and engage like that's I think that's what makes comics really great. It's a small community full of people who love something and, and to be able to to be a fan and interact with somebody who is creating and, or to be a creator and interact with somebody who loves the thing you've made. Like that's, I think that's unique to the indie comics part of it. Um, and yeah. again, you're fucking doing God's work by connecting these people.
1: Well, it, it needs to be done. It does. It needs to be done. Uh, I'm, I'm, So many, uh, the thing is, is, uh, I, I, I tell people what I do. I say, you know, I'm in the comic industry. So they say, what? well, what is it? I say, well, I have a podcast. And they say, well, what do you talk about, Spider-Man? And I'm like, no, it's not all about fucking Spider-Man. Like, have you have you read Saga? Have you read Dead End Kids? Have you read fucking Going to the Chapel? It's not all about superheroes and punching each other and shit. It's There's so much more you can get out of a fucking comic book. And I'm just trying to to get that out there. People are going on and on about... You know, all these these shows they love. You know, um, people don't realize The Boy's a fucking indie comic. You know, the the greatest show that happened all of 2019 came from a fucking indie comic and sorry i'm getting all excited right now but it pisses me off that indie comics don't get the love they deserve and that's why i do this it's uh yeah everybody knows spider-man uh, people that don't have tvs in africa know what the fuck spider-man is nobody uh, there's not enough people that know what the fuck dead aunt kids is and that 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 irks me <laughs> so uh you no know um,
0: bank account agrees <laughs>
1: <laughs> right on right on <laughs> Well, let's uh, let let's let's hope that um, uh, uh, no heroin uh, gets you on that level to where you can take that year off and show the world what the fuck Frank Gogol's really about, man. Because I know you have it in you. You've got stories to tell, and I I know that there's plenty of people like myself that not just want to hear them. We need to hear them, whether we know it or not. So, yeah, man, you're uh <laughs> you're 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 you're. You're a nice change of pace to the industry
0: for sure. That's that's for damn sure. Appreciate that. Appreciate it. It's, it's nice to it's nice to to hear that every once in a while. Yeah, you know, like yeah, as confident as I sound and as like yeah you know, cocky as I can come off a little bit or a lot of it. I don't know. Um, like I honestly am just always deeply concerned that you know I yeah you know, I'm not good enough. That my stories aren't good. That people are full of shit when they say they like them. Like like. It's it's not anything I can do anything about. It's not. It's built into all of us for one reason or another. Um, but it is always reassuring and awesome to to hear people say kind, nice, appreciative things. Like, and I, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. If I can stop being sarcastic for one second.
1: No, well, no. <laughs> I I I get you, man. I totally get you.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, can I tell everybody where to find me? absolutely please do all right i live at 180 no i'm just kidding i'm just kidding um <laughs> uh, i am on all of your regular social medias your twitters your instagrams your facebooks um i'm on twitter and instagram at at frank gogle one word f-r-a-n-k-g-o-g-o-l um i'm pretty genuine on there i don't have like a persona and i put on whatever i want like i don't care um so if you want more of this you know, real deal, Frank. Uh, you can find it there if you want, like super real deal, Frank. And you're not crazy. You name me up on Facebook. Um, I've got a regular Facebook profile. It's just just my name, Frank Ogle. Um, like I said, if you're not crazy, shoot me a friend request. I'm happy to 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 mm. engage and, and and talk shop. And and if you're a creator and you're learning, trying to figure out how to get started, like I'm. That happens sometimes. Like I'm happy to whatever. Um, most importantly, though. Um, on all of those there is a link for my newsletter Um, i do a newsletter twice a month every other week um, and it has links to shit that's cool to me uh information about pre-ordering books it's one way you can keep no heroin on your radar after this conversation um it's got uh exclusives we do um, exclusive content like stories that i publish only in there um, variant covers and exclusive like you know physical books and shit if you're a collector uh for for people on the newsletter we, we just did our first one of those back in september and it was a huge success um so like i don't know i just, I just try to make that the newsletter is sort of like the catch-all for all the information and, and like what's going on with me and i try to make it as valuable as possible for people so that's that's the place to do it the, the link's on my instagram it's on my twitter it's i put it on facebook all the time so if you follow me at one place follow me there And then, you know, last but not least, No Heroin is in stores this June. It is going to be up for pre-order in April and May of this year. Um, Again, if you like Buffy, if you like my stories, if you like Source Point Press, if you like indie books in general, if you like fucking vampires, if you like werewolves, um, if you like, you know, if you like really bad jokes, um, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know, just check out the book and then be sure to pre-order it. Like, like, like we were saying, like that's that's what keeps the shit going. and I always appreciate every single fucking pre-order. Um, so get out there, pre-order the book, and, uh, you know, hit me up on Instagram. And tell me how much you didn't like it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I, I will have all of your links to all your social accounts and your your newsletters uh, in the, the show description as well. So the, the listeners will have easy access. There's no excuse not to check you out, man. Nice. Um, dude, this has been an absolute fucking pleasure. I can't wait till the next time. Uh, in the meantime, I, I look forward to to June when I get to have a physical copy of this book in my hands. And despite the fact that I've already read issue one digitally, um, uh, you, you're still getting my pre-order. Sure, you have oh, my promise.
0: We <laughs> totally forgot to talk about Ahmed. I'm sorry. We need two more minutes. Oh the, sure. The covers for this fucking book. Oh, dude. This world. We got Ahmed Rafat, who is just an incredibly talented illustrator. Uh, He's got like a very David Aha feel. Uh, Dave Mezichelli, he's done a lot of Daredevil, Chris Somni, even a little Andrew Sorrentino, like really just fucking terrific work. Um, Ahmed did some of the variant covers for Dead End Kids. He did our noir covers. um, And like, I just, I had to work with him again. Um, And I just, I didn't have a series like that I was ready to like send his way so it's like how the fuck can i keep working with this guy like i like to keep people on the payroll um and he's just he's knocking out of the park like he uh we i mentioned david aha like we we sort of modeled the covers after uh fractions hawkeye um the covers on that book sort of you know stylistically similar but like not quite a template like we had for dead end kids and he's just he's just killing it that first cover is absolutely stunning the second cover is even better um i haven't released uh, the images for the third cover yet but it's it's easily my favorite um and it, like dead and kids 2 is my favorite cover from the series like it's just wildly meaningful to me this this cover is equally as good so even if you don't fucking like vampires and buy *The vampire sire and me and chris mad and source Point press just buy the book so you can have oh it's cover like I dude mean, it's
1: so fucking punk rock man
0: gold it's gold yeah fuck frank Gogol. fuck source point press <laughs> on <laughs> um, its cover and now i'm done <laughs>
1: right on man well there's definitely there's so much to take out of this you've you've definitely laid it down the, the listeners got a got an idea of uh you know they got into your head a little bit you know and and there's still so much more to get out of this and that's that's what i look forward to so um in the meantime i'm gonna enjoy what's coming and uh yeah just look forward to the future because we know it's coming quick we it's 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 gonna be here right, quicker than we know it so yeah man uh I'm, I'm gonna let you get some rest i'm gonna go start the rest of my 18 hour day and let's fucking do this we're gonna talk comics again here real soon
0: yeah man dude thanks for having me
1: uh it's it's been my pleasure um yeah uh you will, i'll talk to you soon man cheers cheers well there you have it another awesome interview in the books. Frank was it was a pleasure, as always, as these guests always tend to be. I'm I've been I've been uh, lucking out lately, I tell you what. Um yeah. Well uh, all of the links in the descriptions will be placed where you could find Frank and his Twitters and all of that good stuff. So uh, thank you again slurs for tuning in to another edition of Creator Corner. I'd like to remind you to support this podcast. Support it via Patreon. Become a Patreon and... Oh, man. Uh, you, you take your, uh, your, your your level of listenership with me, and my eyes, to a, a whole new level. So <laughs> Because we all know how much that means. But really what it comes down to is it shows your appreciation for the, uh, the, the content that I'm putting out there. And, you know, it's that, that, that $1 a month. Uh, it, it goes to the right places, that's for sure. I'm, I'm looking... <laughs> I've got some ideas for this show, and it's going to take a little bit of financial backing to make that happen, and that's that's where I ask you all to to come in and you know, show your support for this show. You can also show your support for this show by leaving five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. Um, I know it doesn't seem like much. It doesn't seem like it will do much, but believe it or not, those, those stupid little f- stars... Do mean the world to the uh, the discoverability of this show on iTunes and really anywhere else. You have the ability to rate podcasts uh, wherever you listen to your podcast. Definitely, definitely, <laughs> uh, you know, take that opportunity to do so. Drop a note and uh, shit. I'll read it on the show. I'll read it on the show. Why not? So um, yeah. With uh, with all that being said, I'd like to remind y'all to support indie comics hit your local comic book stores up don't just do the Marvel and DC stuff not that there's anything wrong with that but these indie comics they've got some some real deep deep stories to be told that uh you know you just you don't you don't get as often out of the big 2 anymore so Frank is proof of all of that, and, uh, yeah. So, that does it. It's been a podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time. You slurs read responsibly. Cheers, fuckers.
0: Hey everybody, this is RJ, Ash, Ray, Brandon, Harrison, and Bronson. We host a Dungeons and Dragons podcast called Realms and Nerds. Some highlights of our show include wreaking havoc in every town we visit, blowing up hot tubs, killing off fan-favorite characters, high necromancers, inappropriate wedding etiquette, and every now and then, actually good storytelling. Join us in the realms of Pridea for fun fantasy adventures. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or just about wherever you get podcasts.